everybody. Hey, who's glad to be at church today? Awesome. Some of y'all are glad to be in church. Hey, it's so good to be with you. I know I'm glad to be here with you all this morning and just want to say a big welcome to you all, but also just a big welcome to everyone who's attending at our 430 campus right now and everyone who's tuning in online. Come on, church. Help me give a big welcome to our 430 campus and our online members today. Hey, we're so glad to have you with us in church and just thankful to have you with us today, and a uh, big welcome to all of you who are in the room. So good to, to be with you, you all, and you are a good-looking crowd. Man, this room is packed out. You look around, it's, it's so full, and, and um, I just want to relay the message um, that the, for those of you who are, are members at City Hope, you're bought into the vision, you love Pastor Ben and our church and the vision of this church, we would love to also just invite you. Uh, we have other services as well at 8.15 and at 11.45. And we just say that so that we can make room for new people who are coming, because this is always going to be the most popular service time, and it'll always be full like this, but we just want to keep making room for, for new people who are coming. But hey, praise God for what he's doing. We're so grateful. Can we just take a moment and give God all the praise for what he's doing in our church, for the lives that are being changed? And I just want to say, all glory goes to God, because it's nothing that we could ever do. It's nothing that man could ever, ever do. It's all the glory to his name. But um, uh, my name is Caleb, and I get to serve as the 430 campus pastor, and uh, also get to serve as the ministry director here at this campus. And it's just an honor and a privilege to me to even be able to spend some time with you all this morning. Um, and before we dive into the message today, I just want to share a little bit with you about what's going on in our church, just some events that are coming up, some church life that I want to point out. And the first thing is we've got Love Week coming up the week before Easter. And we do this every year. And if you don't know what Love Week is, Love Week is one week where we just pull out all the stops and we go out showing the love of Jesus to our city. Like we're a church that already serves a lot. We have First Saturday Serve and many other serve opportunities. But on Love Week, we do serve like all day, every day for a week. And it's going to be amazing. And we always do that leading up to Easter because that's really the time of the year where, where God really demonstrated his love for us through his son, Jesus. And so we just want to be the hands and feet to our community, let them know that God loves them and that we love them too. And next week, we're going to have more details for you on how you can be a part of Love Week, how you can play a part in serving and loving, being the hands and feet of Jesus to our community. And that's going to be April 1st. That's uh, the first Saturday of the month. Um, through that first week is the dates through the 8th. And then coming up, we have Easter services on Resurrection Sunday, everybody. And hey, as I was saying just a moment ago, like we're so grateful for the growth, for all that God is doing in this place, for the growth that's happening, the lives that are being changed. It's, it's just mind-blowing. It's amazing. And so to, um, Easter weekend is always one of the largest Sundays of the year for us. Um, and, and, and so because of that, we're going to be providing seven service opportunities. It'll be the same service experience. Every time, we just want to make room for the people who are going to be coming on Easter weekend. So April 7th, which is the Friday night, we'll have a 7 p.m. service. April 8th, the Saturday, we'll have 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. And then on Easter Sunday, the 9th, we'll have our regular service times, which are listed right here that we're currently even doing today. And so we're just doing that to make room. So two things that I just want to mention to you of how you can help in preparation for Easter is one, to just be praying, like be praying over our teams and praying over our services, praying that lives would be changed. I always like to pray that lost people would come through our doors because that's, that's who we want to get here. That's who needs to be here to hear the message about God, to hear the good news about Jesus, but also just be praying and asking the Lord what your role to play is in that. Like, 
like, hey, God, who is it that you want me to bring to Easter weekend? Who's that, that friend, that family member, that coworker that is just ripe for the harvest? This is the time for me to invite them. Maybe you've been waiting to invite that person and you're thinking about who they are even right now. Like this is your opportunity. This is your chance. And what research tells us is that Easter weekend, uh, people are way more likely to attend church, if you will ask, than any other weekend of the year. So this is your chance. This is your opportunity. And uh, don't miss out on that. It's going to be amazing. Come on. Can we just give God praise for all he's doing in our church and all that he's going to continue to do and what he's doing in our lives? We're forever grateful for that. But so today, we are in part two of the message series that Pastor Ben kicked off last week called The Holy Bible. And through this series, we're talking about God's Word. We're talking about the Bible, and we're going in deep, and, and we're learning more about God's Word. And Pastor Ben shared an amazing message last week kicking off this series about how we can build a life built on God's Word, how we can have a life that's built on God's Word. And if you missed that message last week, that's okay. You can watch it on our social media. I would encourage you to go back because he did such a phenomenal job with that message. You can go back and watch that on our social media accounts, even on the Apple Podcast app. You can, you can listen to that message there, and I would encourage you to do that. But today for part two, what we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about understanding the Bible. And we're going to be talking about how that understanding of God's Word can then transform our lives. Because for us to understand God's Word, what we first have to understand is that it's all dependent on our relationship with the Bible. It's all dependent on our relationship with God's Word. And so to give you a little bit of, of my story, for those of you who maybe don't know me or you haven't um, heard of my story before, I, part of my story is that I was raised in a pastor's home. Like I was born into a pastor's home. My dad was a lead pastor of a church from the time I was born to the time I graduated high school and moved out and went off to college to do all those things. And so I say that because um, I was in church Sunday morning, Sunday night. And back in those days, what, we had a Sunday night service and it wasn't like our 430 service where it's the same service. It was actually like the same people came back and it was a different message. Like we had two services on Sunday, two different services. And I was at both of those every week. I was at Wednesday night church. Anytime we had extra services, I was there. I was in Sunday school. I was in kids church. I was at it all, everybody. And just to let you know, I really didn't have a choice in the matter, okay? It was like, you're going to be there, all right? So I was there. And growing up in a pastor's home, we, we read the Bible at home. We would do family Bible studies together, all those things growing up. And I'm so grateful for that foundation. I'm so grateful for that heritage. But kind of what happened for me through that process was that the Bible became something that was just always there for me. It was, it was always there. And it wasn't something that I really, I really understood the value of it. I didn't really understand the value. And so because of that, it kind of became something that I ended up just sort of taking for granted in my life, that I didn't really live out early on. I didn't really understand its significance and its value for my life. And because of that, I ended up taking it for granted. And maybe that's some of, your, some of you, maybe that's your story today, is that you, you took the Bible for granted and you haven't really lived it out. You haven't really understood its value. It's just always been there in your life. I mean, just to kind of further show you that point, for me, like right now, I counted this morning. I've got 15 paper Bible books in my house. And only like two or three of those do I actually use. The rest of them are collecting dust. But I got like, 
I got study Bibles. I got different translations. I even have an English to Spanish translation. I, I got all the Bibles, everybody. If you need a Bible, just let me know, okay? I can give you a Bible. In fact, we've got those available for those of you who maybe you don't own a paper Bible. We have those available for you in the back as you leave today. We would love to give that to you. We would love to give that as our gift to you because we believe that the Bible is powerful and that it can transform your life. But whereas there's people that were like me that we kind of take the Bible for granted, there's other people in the world who desperately want the Bible. Did you know there's 3,752 people groups who don't have the Bible in their native language? And they want the word of God so desperately, but they can't get it in their, in their language. And that's why we've partnered with an organization called Illuminations. And this organization's mission is to translate the Bible for every people group in America, or not in America, in the world by 2030. And right now, we're currently partnering with them to work on a, a, a translation where we're helping translate the Bible for uh, some people in the, in the country of the Ukraine. And that's your generosity. That's your giving at work is it's making a difference. It's providing God's word for people. And, and we believe that's important because God's, God's word, the Bible, is God's word spoken out of the mouth of God, written down by human beings and canonized, put together in this book for us to read. For us to use as a tool, it can lead us, it will, do, it will guide us, it will direct us in our lives. And we see this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and this is really our theme verse for this series, that all scripture is God-breathed. It's breathed out of the mouth of God. It's spoken out of his mouth, and it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in Righteousness, And there's a lot of people in our society, in our world today, who are trying to say that Scripture is not inspired by God, actually. And it's not actually useful for our lives. Like, it's timed out. It's irrelevant. But I want to tell you today that God's Word is useful. It is inspired by God. And no matter what situation you may be facing today, God's Word has an answer for you. It is relevant for your lives today. Amen? Come on, do you believe that today? It's relevant. It's good. It, it can make a difference in our lives. And the truth is, is that almost every person in this room today is facing some kind of issue. We're either in the middle of an issue, we're either on the way out of an issue, and if you ain't dealing with an issue right now, look ahead because it's coming, okay? You headed into an issue, all right? That's just how life works. And we're dealing with all kinds of things, loss and grief and anxiety, depression, Maybe a, a split family, financial issues, all kinds of things that you're struggling with in your life. And I want you to know today that the Bible is relevant to your life, that it is filled with principles. It is filled with words of wisdom that can change your life, that has the answer to the questions that you're asking right now. But for us to understand the Bible and, and for it to transform our lives, we have to have one little thing, and it's called faith. Come on, everybody. Say faith got to have faith. And we see this right here in Hebrews 11, verse 11. It tells us what faith is. It tells us that faith is the confidence in what we hope for and its assurance about what we do not see. So maybe you're facing a, a financial issue today. You don't have enough to make ends meet. You can't see how you're going to make it. You can't see the breakthrough. You can't see the miracle. But if I have faith that everything's going to be all right, that means I have confidence. I have hope that it's going to be okay. That I don't have what, it's, what it takes, but somehow God is going to supernaturally make a way. And if I believe that, that means I have 
Faith. I have faith. And maybe some of you here today are like, that sounds great. That sounds positive. That sounds glass half full, like whatever. And maybe you're faithless. You don't have any faith in God today. And that's okay because the Bible tells us the way we get it. It tells us that faith comes by hearing. By hearing what? By hearing the word of God. By hearing the Bible. By doing what you're doing today. By coming to church and listening to the word. And that's why, uh, that's why in our services, we put such an emphasis on the word. That we dedicate one of the, the largest times of our service to the word. is because when we hear the word, when we hear the message, it stirs up our faith. It builds our faith. It gives us strength. It gives us courage to walk out of these doors and to continue on with our week, to go back to work, to go back to school, to go back to our homes and families full of faith in God. That's why we even do this. That's why we're here today. If it didn't work, we would have quit doing this years ago. We would have changed and started doing something else. We'd have some other service model that we'd be doing. But, but we're still listening to the word of God because it gives us faith. It builds our lives. It strengthens us. We need God's word in our lives. Amen? And so we, we hear God's word and it gives us faith. It gives us faith. And part of the problem is that for many of us, we come to church on Sunday, maybe some of you students, you come to church on a, on a motion night. You go to a college night. You go to a first Wednesday service. And you hear the word. And it, it makes an impact in your life. But then we walk out the doors and we're not continuing to go into the word for ourselves. We're not self-feeding, as I would say. We're, we're only hearing the word when we come to church. And the problem with that is that our lives can't be transformed if we're only hearing God's word once a week when we come to church. What we have to do is what the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. And we have to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. We have to let it stay. And I've got a helper who's going to bring out some props for me for a little illustration. Y'all give him a hand while he's coming out. Come on. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And so this cup right here is filled with a little bit of hot water. And this is, represents your life. It represents your soul. And I've got a little bag of tea right here. And this represents God's word. And what many of us do is we come to church on Sunday and we take a little dunk into God's word. We go on emotion night. We go to small groups. We, we go to the different things. But then we don't continue to dwell in God's word throughout the week. And so what happens is we stop allowing God's word to dwell in us through the other six days of the week, right? So what you can see, though, is that God's word is powerful. So like even just the little bit that you did on that weekend, on that Sunday, on that Wednesday, it made a difference. Like you can see the difference. The problem is it hasn't dwelt in here. It hasn't steeped in here long enough for it to transform. This is just water with a little bit of tea in it. It hasn't become tea yet. For this to become tea, we have to allow the word, we have to allow the tea to steep for a little bit longer. It takes a little bit of time, right? So we've got to allow it to continually dwell in our lives, not just on a Sunday, not just on a Wednesday, but throughout our weeks. When I go back home, when I go back to work, when I go back to school, when I go back to my family, all the things, I can't just disconnect and only be in the Word on Sunday. I have to allow it to continually dwell 
in me. I have to allow it to continually dwell in my life. And so for the remainder of this message, I just want to talk to you. You got notes in your worship guide. You can fill in the blank as we go if you'd like. I want to talk to you about how to let God's word dwell richly in my life in such a way that it can transform me into what God wants me to be. And the first thing we have to do is we have to love it. We have to love God's word. Now, we see this in the Bible in Psalm chapter 119 from David, verse 97. He says, oh, how I love your law. And as, he talking about the, as he's talking about the law, he's directly referring to the first five books of the Bible, the law, the Torah, the Pentateuch, as some people would call it. This is where God's original law was written down. And he says, I love your law. It's in, it's in our Bible, the first five books of the Bible. And he says, I meditate on it all day long. What's he saying there? Is I think about it all day long. I bring it back up in my mind and I think about it over and over again. I'm just thinking about your words, the law that's written down in the book. I think about it all day long. And I just want to say, like, maybe it's hard for some people here to understand how you can love a book, how you can love the Bible, God's word. Like, how do you do that? Well, I would say, it, it takes time. Falling in love with something takes time. So like, I, I would say it like this. I, I think many of you are probably interested in the Bible. I think many of you are interested in Christianity. The reason I think that is because you're here at church on a Sunday morning. You could be anywhere else today, but you decided to come to church. So I think you're interested. You may not be in love yet, but I think you're interested. So how do we get from the place of I'm interested in the Bible to I'm in love with the Bible? That's a big gap to fill. That's a big jump. So how do we get there? Well, I'll explain to you the way it worked for me and my wife, okay? When I first met my wife, the first time I saw her, I liked her. I was attracted to her. I was drawn to her. But I was not in love with her yet, okay? Some of y'all have experienced love at first sight. That wasn't my experience, okay? Like, it just wasn't for me. Now, for her, that was. Like, she was in love. She was, she just couldn't help herself, okay? To tell you the truth, no, seriously. She, the first time she met me, we were, it was in a coffee shop. It's like a cheesy Hallmark movie. We, I, I was in college and I'd study there all the time. And then after I met her, I studied there a lot more. Um, <laughs> She worked at the coffee shop. She made my coffee for me. And she even gave me a discount whenever I would buy, buy my coffee. Um, but the first time we met, like, I left. She used, I don't know if this was ethical or not, but she used her company's customer service system to look me up, get my information, and then she went and found me on Facebook. So I think she was in love. I think it was love at first sight. But, but for me, for me, it, it wasn't love at first sight. It was like, I'm interested, I'm drawn, but I don't know you. You might be crazy, girl. Like, I don't, I don't know nothing about you. You know what I'm saying? I don't know nothing about you. I got to get to know you a little bit, you know? And so for me, the way that I went from interested to love and then ultimately married was I asked her on a date. I said, hey, girl, you want to go hang out sometime? You want to go get... You want to go get some coffee? I asked a person walking in a, working in a coffee shop if they want to go get coffee. It's a bad idea. But I asked her on a date. We went on a date, and we had some good conversation, and, and I liked what I saw. I liked what I heard. So we went on a second date. We went on a third date, and then things began, began to get 
a little bit spicy. We started holding hands, everybody. <laughs> started giving her a hug, full body hug, not a side hug, full body hug. <laughs> Next thing you know, I kissed her, okay? I kissed her. I was like, I got to get me some sugar, and I kissed her. <laughs> it started getting a little more serious. Next thing you knew, it was like I had all these walls that were built up in my heart that I hadn't let anyone into these places in a long time, and I started letting those walls down. And I started letting her into some places on the inside that I hadn't let anyone in a really, really long time. I started letting her in. The relationship began to get a little bit more intimate. I began to realize that I was falling in love. And I think it's the same thing in our word. I think it's the same thing with the Bible. Is you're not in love with it today, but you just, it needs to be like that first day, just casual. It doesn't have to be a super serious thing, just the verse of the day. Just the five minutes of the Bible. And what you're doing is you're, you're, you're tasting of God's word. You're seeing that it's good. Like David says in the word, taste and see that the, that the Lord is good. And you're just, you're just taking, taking that step of experience. And then you'll realize, hey, it's good. And things will start to get a little more intimate. God will begin to speak to your heart. He'll begin to show you what he's wanting to change inside of you. He'll begin to give you revelation and rainbow word. He'll begin to give you your true identity. And the next thing you know, you've made a lifelong commitment. That's what I did. Once I fell in love, we made a lifelong commitment in sickness and in health till death do us part. And I believe that there's a lot of Christians who they make a lifelong commitment to Jesus without first being in love with him. Without first falling in love with his message and first falling in love with his words. And so we got to go back to our first love. And we've got to fall in love with God's word. And, and that's what David, David tells us here. Is he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And, and I want to challenge you to do that today. Whatever that looks like for you, taste of this word. Begin to, begin to read the verse of the day. Begin to read five minutes of God's word. Begin to just get a little bit. Just start out casual. You don't have to be super serious. It don't have to be an hour-long Bible study. Just begin to taste, and you'll, you'll agree with what David says here when he says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey. And I want you to get this today. You're saying, Caleb, how do you fall in love with a book? I get that this is an inanimate object. It's not living. It's not breathing. But can I tell you that in a very real way, it is alive. It says it itself. It says that God's word is alive, that it's active. It, and, and in a very real way, like you have to build a relationship with this book. How do you build a relationship with a book? That's because this isn't just any old book. This book is God. Amen. And for some of you, that may almost seem like, what? That's crazy. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1, verse 1, it's speaking about Jesus. And it says, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Later on in that chapter, it says, And the Word became flesh, directly relating to Jesus. And the Word became flesh, and it came down to earth, and He dwelt among us. He lived among us, and we beheld His glory. This book, it's impossible to separate the person of Jesus from the Holy Bible. Because if you fall in love with this Bible, if you fall in love with this book, you will fall in love with the person of Jesus Christ. It's a relationship. That's what I'm trying to get you to see today is that it's a relationship with God. It's a relationship. So if you don't get anything else today, 
I hope to stir inside of you this fire that you'll just be hungry, that you'll be thirsty for the Bible, that you'll want to consume it, you'll want to read it, you'll want to hear God's Word, and that you'll fall in love with God's Word all over again. Amen? Amen. All right, so the next thing that we have to do to let it dwell richly is we have to learn it. And this is very important that we learn it. And so I want to take a moment and, and just teach some basic things about the Bible that maybe some of you know, but maybe some of you don't know. And I think that it's important for you to know these things if you're going to go deeper into the Bible. I've made up a decision in my mind that I don't know it all. I don't understand it all. And so I'm going to learn more about the Bible. I need to learn more about God's Word. It's one of the, it is the most important book that I could learn. And we read all other kinds of books. So I'm going to learn about this book. I'm, I'm going to study it. But I want to tell you a few things about the Bible. Maybe you know, maybe you don't know. And it was written, this book was written over a period of 1,600 years. That's crazy to me. That blows my mind. Most books are written by one author, by, by one writer. This one was written by 40 different people, different portions of it, different people writing this book. And it was written in over a dozen different countries, different parts in all different places of the world, on three different continents, by people from all different walks of life, all different types of people. And you may say, well, how, how can it all have the same message? It's because it was breathed by one person, is God. We like to say it, it had 40 writers, but only had one author. That person was God. It was penned by man, but it was spoken and inspired by God. He told them what to, to write down. But I just think that's so mind-blowing that it's miraculous, really. That it could all be the same story, pointing to one person, that's Jesus, over such a long period of time in all these different places with all these different people writing it. I, that just blows my mind. But I want to give you a little breakdown about the Bible in case you don't know, in case this is all new to you. The Bible, the Bible is broken down into two different parts. First, we have the Old Testament, and then we have the New Testament. And there's different books written by different people inside of each of these sections. And... The first five books of the Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy, is known as the law. It's what, we, it's what David was talking about earlier when he said, oh, how I love your law. It's Genesis through Deuteronomy. And it's where God's law is, is written down. And then it goes on and we have historical books. We have 12 of these, Joshua through Esther. It tells us a lot of history that we need to know. And then we have poetical, five books here. And it's the book of Job through the book of, of Song of Solomon. And these are really songs or poems that are written to God and about God. And then we have the prophetical books. There's 17 of these. And these were prophets of God. Like God would speak to them about the future, things to come. They wrote down many prophecies about Jesus that he fulfilled, proving that he is the one true Messiah. And these prophet, prophetical books are broken down into two sections. There's five that are referred to as major prophets, and it's the book of Isaiah through Daniel. And then there's 12 that are referred to as minor prophets, and it's the book of Hosea through Malachi. And the, the major and the minor doesn't actually have anything to do with how good or how bad the writings are or how accurate or inaccurate. It has everything to do with the length of each of them. So like the major prophet writings are way longer than the minor prophet writings. And so that, that's a quick overview of the Old Testament. <clears throat> and then we've got the New Testament where Jesus enters. Jesus enters the scene, and we see the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these were actually written by the disciples of Christ himself. And so what we have here is we have the same story 
Four different eyewitness accounts written from different perspectives, all the same story about Jesus. And and by the way, for new believers, I highly recommend starting in the Bible in the book of John because it's it's one of the easiest to understand in the Bible. And it tells you all about Jesus. But then we have the book of Acts, and it's a historical record of the first church, the early church after Jesus left and the disciples began to meet and it began to the church that we ultimately are in today. Like it, it started all the way back then, and we can learn that history there. And then we have the epistles, and this word epistle just means letters, and there's 20 of them, the book of Romans through the book of Jude, and then lastly, we have the book of Revelation, and it's a prophecy of the last days and ultimately eternity, and it talks about what we in the church call the rapture, which is the second coming of Jesus Christ to bring all the Christians home to heaven to live in eternity. And we're actually going to be bringing a message this year about the second coming. And that's going to be a great message that Pastor Ben's going to bring. But I thought that it would be good for us to understand the layout of the Bible. Just to be able to kind of understand what is it all about? What does it mean? And it's so important that we learn God's word. In fact, the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that in the Old Testament, they took this so seriously that they would say, Tie God's word, tie them, it's talking about the the scriptures, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Now, I'm not telling you all to go get a bunch of tattoos on your head or on your arms of Bible verse. I'm not saying that. But what this is actually directly referring to is that in the Bible, talking about the forehead part, they had a little leather bag called a phylactery, and they would wear it on their forehead. You can Google this and, and see. And when they would learn these these Bible verses, these scriptures, they would learn them and memorize them. They would write them down on slips of paper and they would store them inside of that phylactery. And they wore it as a reminder to continually meditate on God's word, to think about God's word, to keep it in their heart, to hide it in their mind. Like this is how serious they took memorizing God's word. And when I was growing up, our our church took that very seriously as well as, as every week in kids church, we were Challenge to learn a memory verse, to memorize it. And if we could say it the next week when we got back, we would get a prize or we would get candy. And, and in this church, I think there's a lot of churches, um, I, and I'm not thinking of any specifically, but just in the day and age we live, I think that's a value that we've kind of drifted away from is, is memorizing and learning God's word. And in our church, the kids' church is not just a babysitting service, but we're actually teaching them scripture back there. We're, we're encouraging them to memorize and to learn Bible verses. Like, like they're having fun back there, but they're learning God's word too, everybody. Like they're, they're getting God's word inside of them at a young age. And it's so important that we learn God's word. In fact, I have a really good friend of mine who he, I'm so proud of him because he's been um, just going deep into, into the Bible, learning so much about the Bible. He, he wasn't raised like I was in the church all the time and in the Bible all the time, but he's been learning and he's, he's going deep. And he texted me one day and he said, hey, Caleb, do you think it's important to learn and memorize Bible verses? And I said, yeah, I think it's very important to learn and memorize Bible verses. And when I said that, like he immediately started doing it. He started writing note cards and he's, he's telling me, hey, this is my verse that I'm memorizing this week. Like he's just letting me know. And I think it's so important. And, and David kind of alludes to that here in the Psalm where he says, I've hidden your word in my heart. I've memorized it. I've learned it. I've stored it in my heart. Why? So that I won't sin against you. So when I learn God's word, when I memorize God word, God's word, it helps me 
to live a holy life. It helps me to live the life that, that God wants me to live. And so we're going to learn some Bible together this morning, everybody. I want y'all to help me out. We're going to do this verse. And here's what we're going to do is I want us to all say it together twice. We're going to read it together twice. And then we're going to go to a blank screen and try to say it, okay? Can y'all help me out this morning? All right. All right. Just making sure. Okay. Psalm. All right. We're starting at Psalm, okay? Ready? Take two. Let's go. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. All right. One more time. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. All right, let's try it. Blank screen. Can y'all do it? All right, let's go. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my Good job. Give yourself a hand, everybody. Now, that's how easy it is to learn the Bible. For some of you, you're giggling and stuff because maybe it feels like we're in kids' church. Like that almost felt like kind of elementary a little bit. That's how easy it is to memorize the Bible is we're meditating on it. We're not just reading it once and then going off and living our lives. Like we're reading it multiple times. We're thinking about it. We're, we're studying it. We're learning it. We're hiding it in our hearts. And it's so important that we do that. And then the last thing, so we want to love it. We want to learn God's word. But the last thing, and I would say this is probably the most important. Like, I want you to love God's word. I want you to learn God's word. But if you don't do this one that I'm about to tell you, I don't think it, the rest of it even matters. And that is that we got to live it. We got to live it out. That means we're not going to just hear it today and then go back to work, go back to school, and it just went one ear and out the other, and I don't change anything about my life but I'm deciding to live it. And we see this in Joshua chapter one, where he says, keep this book of the law, referring to the Bible, always on your lips, always be speaking about it, talking about it, meditate, think about it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that's written in it. Notice he says, you're speaking it and you're meditating on it and thinking about it. And the sole purpose is so that you'll do it, so that you'll actually live it out. And he says, when you begin to do that, when you begin to do everything written in it, then you'll be prosperous and you'll be successful. We see this again, James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. It says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Don't just listen to this message today. Don't just hear the verses that I'm giving you and the principles that I'm giving you and then walk out the doors and not apply it. The Bible tells us that if we do that, we're deceiving ourselves. And I love you, and I don't want you to deceive yourselves. And so we have to do what it says. Because anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away, and immediately he forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently, I want to emphasize that word, because it's not just, oh, I read my verse and I checked checked off the list and I'm good to go. No, it's I'm studying God's word. God, what are you speaking to me? What's the revelation you have for me today? What's that word that, what are you trying to change in me? What are you molding in me? What are you, what are you, what are you refining in me today, God? 
I'm looking intently into the perfect law. And also, a lot of people would tell you today that the Bible's not perfect. They would tell you that there's some mistakes and there's some errors. But it says that it's perfect, everybody. It says that it's the perfect law that gives freedom, and they continue in it. So they didn't just look into it for a second and then, and then let it go, but they continued in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So in a, I'm not preaching like a prosperity gospel thing or anything like that today, but in a very real way, our obedience to God's word brings with it an attachment of blessing. There's a blessing attached to us making the decision to be doers of the word and not just hearers of God's word. And so don't just read the Bible, but let the Bible read you. What does that mean? That means don't just read the Bible for knowledge, but when I'm reading it, I'm saying, now God, what does this mean about me? What are you trying to change in me? What are you wanting to remove in my life? What are you wanting to add in my life? Like, how, how does this affect me, God? That's what, that's what that means. And, and C.S. Lewis tells us that we come to Scripture not to learn a subject. It's not all just about learning a subject, but to steep ourselves in a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. To build a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you love the Bible, when you learn the Bible, and then when you begin to live the Bible, what will happen is you'll realize that you're developing a relationship with Jesus Christ himself. You're developing a relationship with God and where before this was just a glass of water with some tea in it, as I've been sharing this message with you today, this has been steeping inside of it. And over a period of time, as it's been steeping inside of it, what's happened is it's been completely transformed. It was water with just a little bit of tea in it. But hey, everybody, it's become tea now. Like, it is tea. And that's what will happen to you. When you allow God's word to dwell richly inside of your life, you will be transformed into the person that God wants you to be. And I lived a lot of my life. I told you a little bit about my story, the way I was raised. I lived a lot of my life by having knowledge about, about the Bible. I could tell you all the Bible verses. I could quote Bible verses. I could tell you the books of the Bible in the order, in order, sing all the songs that we learned in Kiss Church. I, I even got a degree in theology. But all of that is worthless if you're not living it out. It's pointless if you're not living it out. Now, never forget, I was called to ministry when I was 15 years old. And at that time in my life, I would have called myself a Christian, but I wasn't really living it out. When I went to school and I was around my friends and hanging out with the wrong influences, there were some real things in my life that the way I was living went against principles in the Bible. Living in a pastor's home. You know what they say, pastor's kids are the worst. That's what they always told me anyway. Uh, but I was living in ways that didn't agree with the word of God. But I was called to ministry. And I was starting to, to do this ministry thing and that's starting to play out in my life as well at a very young age. And there's times I'm not even living out what I'm up talking to other people about. I'll never forget my senior year of high school. I had this moment 
with God. I was at school and some of those same people were pulling on me, calling me to do the same old junk that I had always done. Things that didn't honor God, didn't please God. And something clicked in my brain and I said, and I, it was honestly, it was probably the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit. But it said, Caleb, if you're gonna do this, you better do it right. If you're gonna call yourself a minister, if you're gonna call yourself a Christian, you better live out what you know you're supposed to live. And, and I'm not preaching this in a legalistic way, but this is what happened inside of me. It was an anchor moment in my life that changed everything for me. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna begin to live out what I've been taught my entire life. And I'm actually gonna do it. And it wasn't until I began to do what I had already in my head, it wasn't until that moment that the change happened in my life. That was when I found my true identity. That was when I found my purpose. That was when I was able to step into my calling. That was when I began to live out God's word in my life, when I put it into action. And that's when everything's gonna change for you. It's when you take, it's not just about knowledge, it's not just about acquiring knowledge, but when you take that knowledge and you put it into motion, you begin to live it out, it's faith. It's faith. Faith comes by, from God's word, but it's shown by what we do. It's shown by how we live. So the Bible is so important. It can transform your life. And as I get ready to close, I want to show you one more thing. Maybe you're still in this place of just like, what is the Bible all about? Like, I love the message you preached. It's so good, but like all the things, but what is it? Why is it so important? What's it all about? And I saw this thing from another pastor that I just thought was so incredible of how we can understand the Bible. Because it's all one story that points to, to one person, and that's Jesus. It's all a story that points to Jesus. And so I want to show you this. It's really, the Bible is really kind of a mirror image from Old Testament to New Testament of itself. And the way the Bible starts out is God and righteous people in paradise. Adam and Eve in the garden. Everything was perfect. The world was sinless. Everything was perfect. And then Satan and sin entered. Satan came in the form of the serpent. Many of us have heard the story. Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit. They disobeyed God and sin entered the world. And as a result of that, man turned from God. They, they turned from God and they turned to their own way and they began to live into sin. And sin got so bad the world got so terrible that God said himself, he regretted that he had made mankind because they were so wicked, they were so vile, they were so evil. And so what happened was the world was judged by God and destroyed through the flood. But not all of humanity was destroyed because God redeemed mankind through Noah and his family. And then what happens as you begin to read is you see that Noah and his family, they, they procreate, the human race is restored, and what begins to happen is, is man begins to turn from God again. And they begin to say, we don't need God. We don't, we don't need His way. We can do our own thing. We can build our own one world. We can do our own government system. We, can do, we don't need God to govern us. We can govern ourselves. And they came together, and, and the Bible tells us that they built a tower. 
called the Tower of Babel. And they came together in unity, not under the name of God, but under their own name, to build a tower that would reach to the sky, to heaven. And God himself in the Bible said, if he, didn't, if he wouldn't have stopped them, they would have been able to do it because they had unity. They would have been able to do it. So he came through and he scrambled up their language and they got all these different people groups now and all these different languages. He was dividing them so that they couldn't, they couldn't do it their own way. And then he instills his, his way. He chose a people, the people of Israel, God's holy people. He set them apart to, to institute his way through the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is what we see in the Old Testament. This is where the law comes from. The, the laws and the rules and the religion and the regulations and the sacrifices and the sacrificing of animals for sins and all of those things. So this, this happens. And then as we go through, we get to the New Testament and Jesus enters the scene. Jesus comes into the picture. God realized that this system that he set up didn't work. And, and I'm not saying that God made a mistake or that God was wrong. I'm just saying it didn't work. And even the Bible itself says it didn't work. That's why he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to be the sacrifice for us. And Jesus came and began to build a new kingdom, God's holy people, through, through the 12 disciples, his disciples, that would ultimately take his message and begin the church that we are still living out today, the church, God's holy people. They began to do that. But we're in a time now where we live today where the world is rejecting this message. They're saying that Christianity talk is hate speech. It's exclusive. We don't need that. We don't need God. Our world is in the process of doing what has happened all throughout history, turning from God. And they're trying to build their own, their own one world government system, their own way. And because of that, What's going to happen, the Bible tells us in Revelation that there's coming a day where the world is going to be judged and the world is going to be destroyed. Just like it, it was before. This is going to be the final time. And the last time where Satan and sin entered, when it happens this time, they're going to exit. Satan and sin is going to exit. Destroyed, defeated once and for all by Jesus. And if you haven't read the end of the story, if you haven't read the end of the book, here's how it ends is God and redeemed people in paradise. Not God and righteous people. Because all of us, the Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags. For all of us, we can never be good enough. We can never do good enough, but we're redeemed only by the blood of Jesus. And so the way the story ends, everybody, is that we win. We win. We're redeemed. We're restored. We get to spend paradise with Jesus forever that's the Bible that's what the Bible's all about it's one story about Jesus and how he redeemed mankind amen if you would bow your head with me close your eyes and I just want to take a moment to pray over each of you God I just ask today that you would speak to the hearts of each and every person Lord that you would show them that we would reflect on where we currently are in reference to your word and as a result you would show us what our next step is. What do you want us to do about it? Maybe we need to begin to just taste and see about the Bible. Just some casual time in the Bible. Five minutes, 10 minutes. 
Maybe we've been doing that long enough and it's time to go deeper. God, I pray that you'd give us the courage, give us the boldness, give us the strength to do what we need to do to be the people you want us to be concerning your word. Help us to love your word. Help us to learn your word. God, but most of all, help us to live your word. And maybe you're here today with your head still bowed and you would say you're far from God and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this message sounds great. I love that message about Jesus and redemption. And today, you're the one who needs to be redeemed. You feel that right now. You feel your heart beating. You feel the weight of your sin and your shame. You know that you need to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ today. It's time for you to begin a relationship with the Word, with Jesus, with God. I want you to know that God sees you and God loves you. He sees your sins. He sees your mistakes. He sees your flaws. And He loves you anyways. In fact, that's why He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross and to raise again on the third day so that you could be set free. And all you have to do is receive that today to begin a relationship today. And if you're here this morning, I want to lead you to that, to that place. I want to invite you to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. And with the head still bowed, eyes closed, I won't embarrass anyone. I'm not going to ask you to walk up front or to stand or any of that stuff. But you need to make a decision. And today, if you want to give your life to Christ, if you'll just slip your hand up on the count of three, I'm going to lead us in a prayer all together. If that's you on the count of three, lift your hand. One, two, three. Thank you. I see you. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you up top. Thank you. Thank you, I see you, sir. God bless you. God sees you, he loves you, and he is proud of you. I see you, ma'am, thank you. Thank you, sir, in the top. Hey, God loves you. I'm proud of each and every one of you for taking that step. Thank you, God bless you. Maybe... Maybe you lived a life kind of like me. You were raised in church. You were raised around the Bible. But you never really lived it. You know all this stuff, but you never really lived it. And it's time today to begin a relationship. It's here for you too. It's here for you as well. God bless each and every one of you. Come on, I'm going to pray. lead us in this prayer together. If you'll pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I confess that I need you. So I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me of my sins, to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to be my friend. I want a friendship with you. I want to live for you. Thank you today for saving me setting me free thank you for your sacrifice that you made on the cross and I'm going to live in that freedom today and from this day forward I'm going to live by your word the best that I know how in Jesus name amen amen come on church let's give Jesus all the praise